Well, hello. It's a pleasure to be speaking to you today on our Gift Day Sunday. You might not know, but over the last few months, really, since the start of the year, we've been going through a series uh, of our values. Um, at the turn of the year, we became Emmanuel. We changed the name of this church, and we've kind of set out that our mission as a church is to help people uh, find their way back to God. And we've been unpacking who we are as a church, what our values are, and we've been going through uh, Jesus leads the church, everything changes but the gospel, play as team, and stay inspired. And those are different things, and we're not quite finished uh, talking about those different values, Uh, but this morning is a special Sunday, is our gift day, and uh, it's important for me to say at the outset here that When we're talking about giving and when we're talking about our church plants and what we're giving to, I don't want you to see this morning as something that's separate to these values. Actually, what I'm going to be speaking on this morning is working with God, working with God. And hopefully what you'll see is that uh, this working with God, and especially when it comes to giving financially, this really flows out of our values and it flows out of who we are. We're not giving this morning because it's just a good thing to do and to be obedient Christians. That's what God wants us to do and so we reach into our pockets and give. Actually, being generous, seeing what God is doing through his church and saying, I want to be a part of that and doing it together as a church and looking to God and seeing his leading, that kind of, hopefully you've been picking that up over these last few months, and hopefully you see this morning and what we're doing today in the context of that. So as I say, I'm going to be speaking uh, about working uh, with God, and, and uh, as was mentioned a minute ago, we're going to be f- looking at giving into church planting, our churches that, church plants that we're involved in in Berlin and Amsterdam and Ottawa and uh, we'll be also giving into a fund to start a, a church plant in Krakow next year. That's the plan, that's what we want to do and that's what we're going to be focusing on and we've set this target of 200,000 which is big and ambitious but hopefully you'll see this morning that As we take a step forward in this, we're not just doing it for God, we're working with God in something uh, that he is doing, and he invites each one of us to play a part in, whether we're brand new to this church and this is kind of all new to us, or whether we've been here for for decades or years even. I'm going to be speaking from uh, the 127th Psalm, if you've got a Bible want to turn to that, uh, the words will appear on the screen also. Let me read it to you says this, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. We are all building something. This passage is talking about building, and it's talking about building with God or building um, apart from God, really. And it's saying it's in vain. And whoever you are, even if you're not a Christian, you're building something in your life. It's part of our nature in terms of the way that God's made us. And one of the ways, in fact, that we are like him, that there's something of creativity. We want to build something. We want to see something established in our lives. And that's very much to do with having a life that is 
full of purpose and meaning, that we're doing something. We're not ju- just drifting through life. We want to do something. And sometimes we have great opportunities to build some, something. And, and even at times that we don't, we always kind of imagine of what we could achieve, what we could do, what we could build. And that can look different for different people. Many people in the city are aiming to build great businesses or uh, a great career. Or maybe want to build a great sense of community and, and family and, and have good relationships with people. Or, or family, want to build a family and establish something there. Many things that we can build, but there's something innate in us that wants to build. But what the Bible is challenging us with here is that we can build anything that we like, but if we're not building it with God, if we're not looking to Him, if in fact... He's not the one that's doing it and we're involved in what he's building, then what does it it matter? What does it really count for? It's in vain if we're just building it ourselves and not doing something that's really with God. Because when you build with God, you build something or can build something eternal. Something that lasts even beyond this life. But if we build without God, that is not the case. Things come and things go. Successful businesses can be built and they might last for a number of years. They might last for a generation or two, but eventually that money will be used for something else. Someone else will inherit it and squander it or use it for something else. Big buildings that are built even. When you're in a city, you realize the sort of transient nature of things. Things are built up all the time and not long after they get knocked down again and something else is built. When you live in this, I've lived in Brighton now for about 12 years, and when you live in a city for long enough, you start to refer to places in town by what used to be there. Does anyone else do this? Oh, New England Street, oh, where, where the cobbler's thumb was. It's not there anymore. The building's not even there. Where that shop was, oh no, it's a different shop now. Oh, where that pub is, no, it's not a pub anymore. You, because things come and things go. Even the most things that are most successful few years later, they're not there anymore. 20 years ago, Facebook, Google, no one had heard of them. And in another 20 years, probably they'll be gone as well. Something else will take the place. You spend your life trying to build something. And ultimately, what's, where does it end? Where does, someone will you make all the money you can. And you can't take it once you die. Someone else will end up spending it. Build a successful career. Well, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Get to the top. Do what you can, but it's not anything that's eternal. What God wants to invite us into is building something that lasts, building something that God is doing that is eternally significant, eternally significant. You know, even as Christians, we can build something in our lives and, and, and try and do something and then ask for God's blessing rather than asking God, what do you want to build with my life? And it's important that we all reflect on what we are building in our lives, what we want to do in our lives, and really ask ourselves, is this what God wants to do in my life, or is this just my idea? Because God, this is to everyone. Unless God is building it, it's in vain. That's a challenge to all of us. And that can be, even as a Christian, a frustrating thing and a confusing thing sometimes. God, what do you want to do? We've got plans in our hearts, and sometimes it, we get to a point and we realize God wants to do something different. God wants to do something in a slightly different way. You know, Catherine and I have been looking to, uh, aiming to buy a house, and we've been praying about this for a long time. And 
it's a frustrating journey. Because we're like, we want to get the finance, God, provide for us, God, give us something. And his timing doesn't seem to match up with what we want the timing to build. The way that we want to see something established doesn't seem to be what God wants to do. And that can be a frustrating thing. But I think one of the things that God's teaching us is to reflect on this and say, no, if you want to build something that's eternally beneficial, whether it's a family, whether it's a business, whether it's a home or whatever, if you build God's way, it might look different but it will not be in vain. And that's ultimately the best way to live. And that's something that God's teaching us right now and something that a lesson that I'm sure we keep having to learn. And we're looking to what God is doing in our life. Because when we see what God is doing in our life and when we look to him, we can build something of real significance and even eternal significance. And so that's my first point this morning. It's important that we see what God is doing. See what God is doing. It's possible to read this passage and, and think it sounds quite negative. Unless God's building, you're going to build in vain. You think, well, is, is God, what is God doing? We can ask that question personally. What is God doing in my life? But we can also ask the question, okay, what does God want to build? What house is God building if we're talking about building a house? Well, the answer to this is we found when Jesus comes into the, into the world. We see in the New Testament, and Jesus is very clear. What is God building? Jesus, I will build my church. I will build my church at the center of God's priority. What is God doing in the earth right now? He's building his church. It's a theme right way through the Bible. God is establishing. It's not a great church building such, because Jesus says that, and he also turns to Peter and says, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. He wants to build it through people. It's not a great structure. Jesus even said the temple that people were trusting in as a great a thing, an establishing of God. He said that's going to be torn down, and it was torn down. It's not about a building, it's about a people. But Jesus is committed to doing it. And when we're asking this question, what is God doing? What's God's priority right now? It's his church. It's his church. When we look upon the church, maybe we think, oh, it's lost its way, or it has all difficulties with it and challenges with it, and maybe we've been hurt by the church or different experiences of the church. That's true, because each one of us is weak and sinful sometimes, and we don't always get it right. But as we've been watching on the Gift Day videos for the last few weeks, and we'll watch another one uh, before I finish speaking this morning, uh, as Joel has been saying, you know, people have given up on the church, but Jesus never has. Jesus said, I'm, I gave my life for the church, and he's committed to it. With all its faults, he's committed to us, and he wants to build it. He wants to build his church, because it's only through the church of God that people have their eternal destinies changed. I want to challenge you that with that this morning is what God is doing. Is, is his priority your priority? It's good to build. It's good to build things in our lives his way. But it's also, if we're really going to come to terms with what God is doing, we have to look beyond our own lives. What's God doing in the world? He's establishing his church. He wants to gather people to himself and expand his family and help people, as we're saying, help people find their way back to him. And there's no doubt that that's what Jesus is going to continue to do. That's what history is about. It's important you realize that. We watch the news and you don't hear this. You hear about all the political things that are going on in the world. And you think, where is, where is everything going? 
Where's everything going? As Jesus said, the church is going to continue. The church is going to grow and grow and grow. And more, more people are going to receive the gospel. And when Jesus has accomplished what he has set out to accomplish through the church, then the end will come. It's not down to a political leader. It's not down to uh, nation powers and all those sorts of things. When Jesus says, I've established what I want to establish through the church, then the end will come. Then he will come again. What's Jesus doing? He's building his church. That's what history is about right now. And he invites us to see what he's doing and be involved in it and play a part in it. And I want to remind some of you this morning that this is who we are as a church. It always has been who we are as a church. And I want to extend to those of you who, who, who are new here, who don't know some of the heritage of this church, that this is, what, this is what God has been doing through us. When we see what God is doing, we catch a vision for what God is doing, and we believe that God believes in the local church, we can go on a great adventure with God. And we have been on an adventure with God. And the result, in which, the result of it is you're sitting in it right now. That this building is, in a res- is a result of the adventure of God that his people have been on. And there are many, many reasons why this building uh, wouldn't be here right now. If it wasn't for the fact that God prioritizes his church and his church people got a grasp of that and followed him in that. Let me tell you that story because some of you may have forgotten it, some of you never heard it. But it's important we realize working with God is something that we as a people have been doing and want to continue to do. In the late 1980s, we were gathering in different places, this church, and the leaders of the church particularly felt a that God was prompting them to, to buy a building in this city so that God's people could be established here. And so we, the, we I'm saying we because I wasn't there, but it's part, this is my, my family heritage. This is a family history. This is our story. And um, we prayed for it. We prayed for it. And uh, this, this building itself um, became available for sale. And it was a Comet warehouse at the time. And uh, 1991, we, we bid on it, and there was other bids involved as well, uh, but we bid, and surprisingly, our bid was accepted to transform this, this building. And shortly after the bid was accepted, we discovered a plan to redevelop this area in terms of a new road that was going to come through. And part of the council's plan was this building would be demolished. And what happened was... The, ch- the council ran out of money, and so it didn't happen, and they appealed, to the, the, they appealed to get a grant for it, and it was refused, and that was one, one hurdle over. And then the next hurdle came uh, in the summer of that year, in summer of 1991, um, because it had been a commercial space before, this building had been a commercial space, and uh, so we had to appeal for a change of use to make it into a church building. And the, uh, the application was refused. The application was refused by a unanimous council decision. And the, um, the estate agent that was working with us, helping us uh, with the, the purchasing of this building and, and the transformation of it, he said, it's never happened before that a, a unanimous council decision has been overturned. Never happened before in his experience. But we appealed and someone from the home office came down and considered what we wanted to do with it and consider the council's decision. And if you were here at New Year, you would have seen the, the local news video footage of when um, 
the, the, the local news sort of knew about what was going on here, knew we wanted to change this into a church, knew we'd, the council refused it. And uh, Terry, who's Joel's dad, Joel leads the church here, and his dad was leading the church at the time. And he said, uh, the, the news anchor kind of asked him, you know, you've been refused for this. Do you, be- do you believe, or is God going to do something here? Are you going to believe it's going to change? And, and Terry said, yeah, I believe. I believe that God's going to give it to us. Because they, had, they saw what God was doing. They believed that God wanted to do something here. And they trusted God and they prayed. They really prayed. And let me read to you the, the conclusion of the planning inspector. 30th of January, 1992. I found I this from one of the other elders this week. He said this, I conclude that there is sufficient justification in this case for making an exception to policies designed to retain industrial floor space. I shall therefore allow this appeal. There are a number of different roadblocks in the way. But through prayer, God overturned each one of them. And that was, just the, that was just one step on the journey. Because from that point, we still needed to raise the millions of pounds it, would have ta- it took to transform this into the building that it is today. Because it was a completely different space then. And so the elders set out a program of having different gift days in which we would raise the money required to uh, transform the space. And we, people started giving and people committed to, to giving different amounts and really focus on this big project. And it's important for you also to know that people, church members, literally physically built this building with their own hands, came in and did the work. That's one of the ways that we, that we did it. Church members are invested because they believe we're doing something with God. God is answering our prayers in this. We believe this is the work of God and we're going to work with him in it. And one of the things, Steve Walford, one of the other elders, I was speaking to him this week and he said that we had a plan of different gift days that was going to pay off the money by the time we needed to pay it off in, in 1999. And he said we, they'd set out a plan so the sufficient, num- uh, su- sufficient amount of money would cover all the costs. And he said, actually, in one of those gift days, the leaders really felt God was speaking to them about giving away the money that had been raised in a particular gift day and completely scupper the sort of plan that we had in order to pay all the costs. But God was saying, right, there's another twist in this adventure that I'm doing just to show that it's really my, my thing that God is doing, he said. And so they did. They gave away. A whole gift day is worth of money that had been raised because they wanted to be radically generous and they wanted to be trusting faith in God. And Steve was telling me this week, the last gift day of 1999, which is a huge amount, incredible amount was given in that gift day that was God, it was just so obvious that God was doing it in his people. That even though we could, we could, afford, we could afford to give one gift day away because we believed that God was going to do it by the deadline in 1999, and he did it. And he did it. Such sacrifice of the people, such effort on their behalf, but because they saw what God was doing and they followed him in it. And I tell that story because it's what God has been doing in the past with us. It's our present and it's our future. We see what God is doing. We take sacrificial steps and we follow him on an adventure and we see God do miracles along the way. And when you think about that and you think about this building and you you stand back and think about what's happened since then. I've talked about buildings coming and going. Those flats back there weren't, weren't there before. Those flats weren't there before. God's gathering people around us. Every year it's happening more and more. In the, did anyone see in the August this week, the, the, the space across the road from us is going to be developed more flats, 
More people. God has positioned us here and he's physically gathering people. It's what God is doing. It's what God... And we, I just think we could have missed out on that if we just had a small view of what God wanted to do. But when we t- took a step of faith in him, sacrificially gave, prayed, looked to what God is doing, God has led us into an amazing adventure and he's still doing it. And you say, well, that was the past. What's God prompting us Prompting us with now. Well, I've already read from this passage. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And we believe we're carrying a vision of what God said to us now about specifically about cities. The reason that we're giving to these church plants and cities is because we this is what we believe as leaders that God has said to us to do. We were praying as elders a few years ago, and I was in the room there, and we were praying and asking God for his directions, the elders and some other, some other leaders with us. And through one of the ladies, God spoke very specifically to us about the, the story of uh, David and Goliath. And she said, this is what God is saying to you, that um, if you know the story, story of David and Goliath, um, Goliath was a giant that opposed God's people. And God's people were afraid and didn't know what to do. And David was someone who trusted God and trusted that God was with his people. And David uh, went to the riverbank, the Bible says, and took five smooth stones from the riverbank. And with a slingshot, took down uh, the giant Goliath. And what was, what was said to us through, through that story was that, that, that God wanted to uh, use five cities. Those five smooth stones were five cities that he was leading us to take on the giant of Western secularism. And to take on that giant through establishing churches in cities. And that's where we believe God's pointed us to and that's why we're doing what we're doing right now is because we believe this is what God wants to do that we want to work with him it's not our idea it's his idea if it was our idea this wouldn't be a good idea because when you go to cities like Berlin and Amsterdam and you realize the 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 grip of secularism and how much those cities are post-Christian and no one interested in Christianity and no one knows Christians. And, and you go to Berlin and you see how much the church has suffered in, in that city. You know, speak to Neville and Sue who are leading the, 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 the church there, the church plant. And how many Christians are part of a, a split church. Churches have tried to be established there and... They, the churches have split, the enemy has disrupted things, and it's a city of millions, and there's less than a handful of churches that are over about 200 people. It's not an easy place to do church. If we were looking for something that was more straightforward, we wouldn't do this, and we wouldn't follow this vision that we have. No, but we believe this is something that God is doing, and we're seeing the, the first fruits of it. We're seeing these church plants grow and establish. And if you're at our prayer nights, you would have heard the stories of different people being saved and people gathered and getting momentum and God giving us some favor with buildings and things like that. We're doing it because we believe this is what God is doing amongst us. We need to see what God is doing. But in all those stories that I've told and all what we're doing right now, it's not just sufficient to sort of see what God is doing and, and recognize it. No, if we're going to really go for this, we need to take steps of faith. And that may be quite surprising in some ways because you say, well, look, okay, I get that you want to see churches established. Okay, I get that God loves his church. And, but what, where does my money come into this? Why are you asking me for money? You know, God is infinite. God is all powerful. He can do what he wants. 
And he can save people on his own without my money, without my efforts, or that sort of thing. And that's true, he can. God can, he's able to do that. But if we understand God's word, we understand that actually God has chosen to share what he is building with his people. That it is to be a co-labor with his people. And that we play a part. Because in this psalm, we've got, unless the Lord builds the house, okay, God is doing something, but it still says those who build it labor in vain. So yes, God is building his church, but he also builds it with his people. There is labor to do on our behalf. And we see this in Jesus' life as well. Jesus says to his followers, I no longer call you um, servants, slaves, because servants don't know the master's business, but I call you friends. Because from what I've received of the Father, I share with you. He's inviting us into what he is doing. He's not saying just stay apart from it and I'm just going to do it. He's saying come and join with what I'm doing and you can share in the cost of it, but also share in the joy of it as well. It's a privilege to be involved in the works of God. God could have chosen to do it without his church, but he's chosen to do it with us so that we can go on an adventure with him and work with him. Because as we sacrifice in the labor, we get to share in the joy of it as well. And when we see this, when we see that actually God invites us to play our part so that we can share his joy, that's an amazing thing. You know, I was speaking to someone in this, in this church this week and they were telling me about when they, first, uh, when, when they first were kind of just newly come back to God and newly married and we had one of these gift day opportunities or an offering opportunity and um, they, they finally got it. They, they understood that what God was doing and got a vision for what God was, his church and that sort of thing and felt faith for it and they were excited to be involved in it and play their part. And so as a new, fairly newly married couple, they um, wrote a check and went forward and put their gift in. And then they were just so caught in faith in that moment. They came back together and they looked at one another and said, that was amazing. Should we do it again? And they picked up the checkbook and wrote the same amount of money and went forward and put it in. And put it in. They gave twice. Because when you get what God is doing, it's exciting to be a part of. And God shares the excitement that he has with his church, with his people. And it causes us to take great steps of faith and not give reluctantly, but give cheerfully as the Bible invites us to do. When the Bible says give cheerfully, it's not put on a happy face. It's sharing the joy of God in his church. And when we get there, we're like, yes, I want to give. Yes, I can even give again. It's an exciting place to be. We share the joy. We also share something of an inheritance in what God is doing. Someone in this, in this, uh, in this church, they said um, a, f- a few years ago, they received some money from inheritance. Family member had passed away. And um, they were considering what to do with this money. And they decided, felt prompted by God, to give it to a specific, particular area of the church. And once they gave it to the student ministry. Sacrificially gave their money to the student ministry so that could flourish. And you know what they got in return? They got some, such a sense of legacy and inheritance with that student ministry. That when we have students baptized and when we have students reached with the gospel, 
they have, they have the joy of that because they, they've played a part in that. It's not a prideful thing, oh, I've bankrolled this. It's, I get to share in some, I've played a part. God's invited me to play a part. And my giving, my money that's in my pocket can actually, I can buy into people's lives being changed. God has chosen to do that. God has chosen to involve us in it so we can say, we can, when someone gets saved, we can say, I, I feel an affinity with that person. I, I, yes. And that's what we're doing with these, with these church plants as well. You know, we, you can't physically serve the people in Berlin. You can't physically invite the people in Amsterdam into your home and bless them and, and reach out and evangelize people and share the gospel with people in Ottawa or Krakow. But you can, with, with your money, it's a physical thing, but you can play a part in that funding of those sites so they can open their doors, they can get bigger venues, we can train their leaders, tangible things, but we can have an inheritance. And you won't, maybe, you'll see some of the impact. So when, we, when Neville and Sue or, 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 or Matt and Joe share about what they've, they, they, they've done, and Janusz and Camilla next year, and they come back or share through video link, this is what God is doing, we can say, yeah, I've played a part in that. I've done something in my generation and when someone in Krakow becomes saved, it's like, they're part of my family. That's a wonderful thing and something that God has chosen to share with us. Something that in the gospel that as we share in the sacrifice of it, as we take steps, of fact, giving is costly. It costs us something. Of course it does. But what we receive is, is something of great inheritance. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 says this, if we suffer with him, we also reign with him. There's something of when we bear a cost for something, we also get to share an inheritance in something. It's very biblical. It's very what the gospel is all about, that God is so good to us that he, get, he, he wants to share his adventure with us. And we're going to watch a, a video right now, um, similar to the videos we've seen before, but this one focusing on Ottawa. And just want you to, again, just... You know, this is someone talking about how they've you know, found their way back to God. And this is what we're talking about. You can play a part in helping people find their way back to God through your giving. Let's, let's play this video now. I've always had a plan. I had expectations for how things would unfold. And I saw myself as, you know, the, the hero of my own story. In times when things have gone awry, when, when things haven't gone according to my plan, there's great anxiety. There's great burden on myself. And... I've, I've laid those burdens on the people who I love the most, but I didn't know what other options there were. I didn't know where else I could turn to, um, to find that peace. I had heard about this place from a coworker who had just started at my workplace, and I, I listened to her talk about the church and, and, and her passion for, for Jesus. I've heard the gospel before, but coming to Grace City was a real, real heartfelt introduction even though I heard it before to the gospel to to who Jesus was it seems more and more obvious that there is a genuine sense of spiritual need in the cities of our times a genuine spiritual hunger even that that seems to be developing the problem is the bad news is that very often the church the church as she is perceived seems to be miles away from where the real spiritual need is. People have bought into the idea that it's over for the church, the church is done, it's finished. 
The good news is that Jesus never said that. Jesus is still committed to building his church and he's starting churches all over the world, churches that are filled with life, filled with people whose lives have been changed by him, people whose lives are becoming more and more like him, building communities where people feel that they are connected and, and accepted and are joined to a family, a family where God is involved, forgiving their sin, giving them hope for the future. We need to help start new churches like that all across the cities of, of our age. And the amazing news is that God has given us as Emmanuel an extraordinary call to help establish such churches. This means that when we give ourselves, commit ourselves, and even start putting our, our money towards the establishing of great life-giving churches in cities like this, we're not committing ourselves to a sideshow we're committing ourselves to the biggest and most important project that's happening on planet Earth. We are helping people find their way back to God. Why don't you pray hard and aim high in terms of how you want to give and support this great work of establishing the Church of Jesus Christ and helping people find their way back to God. Isn't it wonderful that when we think about and we see pictures of those cities and we think, see pictures of people and people sharing the stories, you know, many of those people in those different church plants, probably most of us, never, we're never going to meet them, but we will meet them one day. And can you, can you just picture that conversation of them saying, that church plan that, that you helped to fund helped me to find my way back to God. What, a, what an inheritance we can have. What a joy it will be. And there's nothing better to give our money into. Nothing better to prioritize than the work of the church of Jesus Christ. Before I finish uh, this morning, I do want to address maybe some barriers uh, for us in our, in our giving. So we have to be real about those. And... Um, this passage speaks about one particular barrier of eating the bread of anxious toil, of fear, of an obstacle to trusting God, an obstacle to faith in giving is fear. Is fear. Well, if I give, you know, will I have enough? And if I, if I give, what about my future and what, what's going to happen there? And really, when we look at this passage, the... the um, in vain we rise up early and go late to rest and eating the bread of anxious toil. It's contrasting that, a life of anxiety, working hard and being anxious with a trust in God. The solution to anxiety in our life when it comes to finances, the solution to that is not more finances. That's what the world teaches. More finances is going to help you be less anxious. It's not. It's not. Because you meet people with more finances and they're just as anxious, if not more anxious, about the money they have or the, the, the wealth that they have and losing it. It's not a solution. The solution is trust. Trust in God and commit ourselves to that He promises to look after us. That's what Jesus says to us. He says, seek first my kingdom and all these things, everything that you need, I'll look after. And that, we could spend hours just contemplating what Jesus is saying there. Seek first my kingdom and all these things, everything you need will be added to you. 
Jesus is saying, prioritize my church and I'll prioritize you. And that's, that's crazy. That is an adventure to really take Jesus at his word in that. And our fear and anxiety, because everything that the society teaches is, is not, do, it, the society teaches, look after yourself because no one else is going to. <laughs> but God says, no, you, part, you pursue my kingdom and I'll promise to look after you. And it requires trust and also requires us to believe that God is good. Because you're not going to trust God if you don't believe he's good and he has your interest at heart and that he is trustworthy. Now, I'm going to, no, none of us as leaders want to force you to give this morning and say, give and you'll get blessed by God. Or what's we want you to see the goodness of God and as a response to his goodness, choose to trust him. Choose to trust him. And there, ultimately, we can believe that God is good because he has given us Jesus Christ already. That we've not, we're not giving so that we can earn some of God's favor, having not received the greatest amount of God's favor already. Jesus, Jesus has been given for us. And if we trust God that he has died for our sin, that is the foundation that we can trust God for our finances and for our family and for our um, career or whatever it is, the, the impact of our giving has. Before we finish, I want, to, I want to just share a few stories of, again, people in this church that have taken God at his word here and gone on an adventure with him and opened up an opportunity for God to really come true on his promises of looking after our needs. There's uh, a guy in this church a few years ago, he was, um, he was about to get engaged and he had saved up some money, four-figure amount, in order to buy an engagement ring. And he felt God prompted him and he, and he, and he, said, he said to me this week, he said, he thought, if I really believe that God is true to his word, if I'm really trusting him, I can take a radical step of faith. This guy in this church a few years ago, and he, and he gave all that money away. The money he had saved for engagement, he gave it all away. He said, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. Not long after, someone in this church came up to him and said, I hear you're thinking about getting engaged. And he gave him a gift, exactly the amount that he'd just given away. And so he bought an engagement ring. His fiance didn't lose out because he trusted in the goodness of God and God looked after his needs. And that story is multiplied across this church. Not in the sense that God's a slot machine and we do this and get this from God. No, it's people taking a step of faith and opening up an opportunity for God to do the miraculous. And when we keep things to ourselves, we don't give any room for God to do something incredible in our lives. And God doesn't do it in an automatic way. There's no formula to this. It's, a, it's about a life of taking steps of faith and, and making room for God to do something. Another friend in this church, he, he came to this church a number of years ago and now, but just moved to this country, started coming to this church, was staying with some church members here, just a young guy, and he came with 100 pounds in his pocket. And that's all he had. And he said two weeks after he arrived in this church, we had a gift day. Not good timing. He felt prompted by God. He had faith for it. Now, hear me when I say this. It's not just he felt cajoled in this. He felt faith to give. And he gave all that he had. And he said he walked out this, this building and he had 20p left in his pocket. And he couldn't get the bus that week. And he, he was staying with, with, with uh, members of this church. And he said it wasn't a comfortable week. And there's things he couldn't do. And he bore the cost of giving. A week later, envelope of cash came through the door with his name on it. He trusted in the goodness of God and God provided. 
another couple in, in this church shared with me this week that a couple I really respect in this church and have been on this adventure, not just in recent years, but for decades. And have been through all the ups and downs in life and been through stages of facing challenges financially and struggle. So in all this, I'm, I'm not saying that if we give to God, God blesses us and we sort of surf a wave of prosperity. No, no, we, we, we go on an adventure with God and there's ups and downs in it. And money for this couple was often, often tight. But they started out in their life as a, a couple together of prioritizing. And one thing they would say is give first and save second and spend third. And they stuck to that priority. And at times when money was tight, they, they gave anyway and they trusted God and it forced them to pray more than they had prayed before and they trusted God. And they've kept a record of all the financial blessings that unexpectedly have just come to them as they've chosen to trust God over the last few decades. And they total it up and it's over £33,000. And I say that to say, when you trust God and when you take God on his word and say, seek first my kingdom and I'll look after your need, he really does. And I'm yet to meet someone in this church who has given radically to God and regretted it. And I don't think any of us are going to get to the end of our lives and think, oh, I wish I hadn't given so much of that gift there. <laughs> but fear comes in, the pressures of now come in, and they're real pressures. And I know there's many of us in this room are facing financial pressures, and that's real. And I'm not saying give irresponsibly. I'm saying look to see what God is doing. See that you can play a part in changing lives, like the life we've just seen being changed on the video just now. And choose to trust him and not fear and make an opportunity for God to do something. What areas of your life are you is right now you're thinking, unless God answers my prayers, I don't know what's going to happen. It's a scary place to be, but it's an opportunity for God to do something. And maybe that's the way God's prompting some of you this morning. To open up an opportunity to see more of God in your life through radical, faith-filled giving and cheerful giving, sharing the joy of what God has done and what God is doing through his church. And let me just close with this because, again, we can go through life and worry, and as the passage says there, eat the bread of anxious toil, or we can trust in Jesus who said, I'm the bread of life. He doesn't invite us to give in order to get his favor or get his love. He has given his best, first of all. And if your faith is in Jesus Christ, your, your faith is that Jesus has given his life for your forgiveness and for your new life in him. And that's the foundation that we have to be able to trust him now. We trust that he has done that for us so we can trust our lives and our futures and our families to him. And that is, that's, the way, that's the way to live, to trust God, to not build something of ourselves and even build it and say, God, can you bless this? Is to say, Jesus, you have died for me. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. I want to give what you want me to give. I want to prioritize what you prioritize. I want to trust that you are true to your word and that you will look after my needs. Let me pray for us. Father, I want to pray right now even that you would instill in us supernatural faith to believe that you are true to your word and that, Lord, that today could be a day of adventure for many of us. 
And not just in terms of what we give right now, but in the next few weeks, months and years, we could just have faith to believe you for things and see you do amazing things in our church. And I want to pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who has yet to come to this Jesus bread of life, who are living day by day in anxiety and fear, wondering if they ever do enough and have enough and be enough to get through life. I want to pray, Lord, that you prompt their heart and speak to them this morning and say, it's never going to happen outside of Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus. Come to me. I pray, speak to them right now. And Lord, we want to see hundreds, thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ and this wonderful truth that you've brought us into in European cities. And we want to say, believe you, and the church is not dead in Europe. The church can flourish in Europe, and, and we see the, the fruit of it in years to come. Instill in us a vision for what you're doing in the world right now, and help us to trust you and follow you in giving. In Jesus' name, amen.